I don't know where the words came from, but I, well, I do now, but the words were, dear God, I can't live like this anymore. What would you have me do? And the voice was called Doug, go back to those meetings. You're going to be okay. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From Studio A, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of Mr. Tim F. that you heard one more time on this here episode number 244, and you will be hearing much more from him in just a moment, but... First things first, this episode is being brought to you by Ryan and Judy and Lou and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura. Do you know what Ryan and Judy and Lou and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura did to deserve such recognition? Well, they went to our little website, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Ryan and Judy and Lou and Joshua and Jason and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura. This episode is coming right out to Ewan's. All right, we're going to get right into the episode today. Now we are following up from an episode we have had last week. It was Tim F. And that was part one. And this is Tim F. Part two. Not only do we call it part two, we're calling this Dear God, I Can't Live This Way Anymore. So obviously, like I said, this is a continuation of Tim's episode number 243, which is entitled, It's Not You, It's Me. Uh, we pick up in our conversation with Tim discussing the last years of his alco- active al- alcoholism and what that looked like. His career as a ballet dancer, um, Tim's buddy Doug, and the influence that had on Tim entering the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Tim's first meeting in New York City and the unexpected news, or should I say bomb, that Tim had to deal with on his 20th anniversary in Alcoholics Anonymous. There'll be much more. <clears throat> Please enjoy Tim, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, so back to kind of the, so you're, you're going through that four years, you're working your way into being sober here. So I'm not working my way into anything. I never quit drinking. <laughs> I, like the one time I told you, the one time I quit drinking, really. Your buddy Doug is what I meant to say. You're having conversations with him. Oh, with him about, oh yeah, yeah. So you're having conversations with him. And he's continuing to be sober. And you're yeah, thinking Yeah, he's to continuing to sober. Never never thinking like a year and a half sober when i was a year and a half sober i actually spoke at a midnight meeting in new york city and i remember doug saying to me he said man i i i can't imagine he said i never he said i prayed for you i hoped but he said i never had any real hope that you would ever get sober Mm. i said that's why i am sober doug because i was hopeless Mm. i think it takes that right but so I go to New York and I'm there to audition, right? But I call Doug up, um, never thinking about anything. You know, I, I call him up and I'm like, let's go to a movie. Let's go out and have a drink. And he goes, 
He goes, well, I got to go to a meeting first. And I said, oh, can I go? And I immediately wanted those words back. <laughs> I was like, oh, let me have those words back. And I, like, I couldn't. I was like, oh, no. <clears throat> and there was this dead pause. And I hear, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, crap. So anyway, I go to, I've not been in New York City in four years. Mm -hmm. I go to a meeting. There's 25 people in the room. I knew four people in the room. Wow. Maybe five. I drank at one guy's bar, Paulson's, on 72nd Street. There's another uh, guy that was a oboist in the orchestra. There was, I mean, it was like, um, and there was a girl that I'd hit on the night before. <laughs> At a place, at a bar. She's now, she's actually a famous actress, but this girl came up and said, I'm so glad you're here. And I thought, me too. <laughs> she didn't mean it exactly like right. I thought she did. But, but I sat there in the meeting and I heard great things for Doug. And, um, poor he, Doug. Poor Doug. He had a problem. And, um, but I sat in the back of the room, and the guy up in the front, they call it qualifying in New York City, mm -hmm. and the guy's up in the front of the room, and he says, he starts talking about looking for bloodstains on the car. And I had done that. I had dents on the car that I was in a blackout, and I have no idea, and I was looking for bloodstains. Well, the first couple of days, so first few weeks sober, I remember looking out my window waiting for the cops to show up because I didn't know what I had done a couple of evenings. Mm. And I, you know, scared the hell out of me, right? Not enough previously to quit drinking. You, know, you kind of work right through that, right? <laughs> right? You try to control that. So anyway, I heard a lot of great information. They gave me this book called Living Sober. So I went back to the apartment that I was staying at and I had a couple of beers and read the first seven pages of living sober. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it talks about putting down the first drink. It says, yeah, the one in your hand. And I had a bud in my hand. And I'm like, Oh my God. I had God. a Budweiser in my hand. And I'm like looking around an empty apartment. And I, <laughs> I remember feeling busted, you know, and I felt like that a lot with the big book and, and all the literature in Alcoholics Anonymous because it's it's always pretty much told my story. I, I I was not one of those that went, that's not me, that's not me. That you know, there was a whole lot of that's me, that's me. When it referred to a career in drinking, <laughs> I was like, These people are speaking my language. Because <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> it takes a lot of dedication and 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 focus and discipline. To, to work through all these problems that get in the way That's true. and these annoying people. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I listened to some good information. I thought that's lovely for Doug. I went and auditioned the next day for a job that I, and I went out and celebrated um, getting a job that I had not yet gotten. Right. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, just celebrated for the hell of it. And um, it was a blackout. And it was exactly the way I was four years before in New York City. So it was one of those moments of clarity that I came to and I said, it's four years later, I've been trying to work on this and I'm doing the exact same thing with the exact same results. And I saw the end of the movie. Yeah. The gig was up. And I remember being... I was not a praying guy, but I crawled out from underneath this coffee table and I was on my knees, which was a good place for me. And I just said, dear God, I can't live like this anymore. And the big book describes it as that jumping off place. I couldn't live with drinking and I couldn't live without it. And I just said, I don't know where the words came from, but I, well, I do now, but the, the words were, Dear God, I can't live like this anymore. What would you have me do? And the voice was, call Doug, go back to those meetings. You're going to be okay. And it was a still, quiet voice. And I have to say that I believe that's where grace lives. In that moment of petition, and that moment, there was a moment where I was given the strength that I didn't have at any other time in my life. Had I waited 30 seconds, I would not be here talking to you guys. 
I had had that voice say to me at two o'clock in the morning, six deep at the bar, Cafe Central in New York City, which was kind of an icon bar. Like I remember standing there and that voice going, go home. What are you doing here? You have rehearsal tomorrow. And it wasn't a mean voice. It was a still, quiet, loving voice. And I, I, I think my whole sobriety has been about renew, removing enough of my ego and all the thing, things that block me for God, from God to be able to get back to hear that voice on a daily basis walking around. I think that's really, I've never really said that out loud, but that, that's, that's really what I, like, like in that moment, I knew it was God. I knew it was God. And it was not outside of me. And that in sobriety has taken a long time to get to. That's another whole discussion about the idea of praying out or praying from within and, and, and talking to that piece of God that's within you. Deep down within us, deep down inside, all of us had the concept of God, right? Like they, they talk about that a lot in the book. There's a lot of references to that in the books, in the literature. Um, so I don't know where was I. I like, so I went to the meeting and I said, I'm Tim. I'm an alcoholic, and you could have heard you heard Doug's neck snap because he was like, "Holy mackerel!" You know, and I remember he asked me, um, he asked me what what is so what's your sobriety date? And I said, "What is a sobriety date? What are you talking about?" I'm like, I'm "Like, what is sobriety?" <laughs> like, I mean, I've heard that term at some point, maybe in my yeah. life, but I'm like, I don't have any idea what the hell you're talking about. And he said, "What day are you going to claim as your first day sober?" And I said, "March 11th." And he said, "Tim, that's the most important day of your life." That's a day worth fighting for. I've never forgotten that. Never, never forgotten that. Because there's been moments where I had to fight for it. Mm -hmm. There will come a time when you have no defense. The only thing between me and a drink has been God. Right? And I, I have no idea why I'm lucky enough to be here now having a conversation in Frisco, Texas, 36 years sober. I wasn't supposed to live past, I, I didn't think I was making it past 25, but I'm certainly not making it past 30. I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. It's truly the way I drank in my lifestyle. I was not, I lived through the AIDS epidemic. I lived through a whole bunch of different things that people aren't, didn't make it through. I have friends that didn't make it, right? And somehow, you know. So. Oh, let me, let me say one more thing. Yeah. I was seven years sober when my mother died. I was still the insanity clause. If he's, if he lives, don't give him money until he's thirty-five. <laughs> True story. Wow. Yeah. The That's how much my mom. You know. Oh, and by the way, when I when I left and I went back to Oklahoma. Because I had been living with my mom as any self-respecting alcoholic, right, at, at 28 years old, right? So I get in the car, and my mom's picking me up at the airport, and I'm like, so I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. And my mom, looking straight forward, went, good. Like, never even looked at me. She was like, whatever. Do you whatever. know what I mean? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Wasn't real impressed. They went, they're impressed by our actions. No, no. And, and, you know, like, I'd love to say that she, you know, I, she didn't see much difference for a long time. You right. know what I mean? But um, I don't know. It was an interesting time, early sobriety, because I, 93 days sober, I, I did get that job, right? And I move out to San Francisco. So I'm now in a 
pretty prestigious job. I've been hired as a soloist in San Francisco Bow. I later became a principal, and I'm like, um, 93 days sober. And I swear to God, there were times where I was I was dancing, and I could swear I'd never done whatever I was doing ever before because it was like I was experiencing everything for the first time, early sobriety. I'm grateful for the people. I got involved with Ikipa, which is an international mm-hmm. convention, you know, helped bring um, the convention out to California, Got ran around with a group, a pack of us, because you would go to different meetings. Um, I helped start a meeting out there, a young people's meeting on Thursday night that still happens on Venice. Um this many years later. Right. right. Um, grateful for that pack. A lot of that pack is sober. Some are dead. Um, but there's a few of us that are still sober. So I've known you for a while, like we talked about. Um, and I had, re- I remember a time when you first, uh, when we first met and I think you were going through a rough time in that period, and I think you were around 20 years or so sober at the moment, at, at that time. Can you kind of walk us through that period? I mean, it's, I, I mean, you've been sober for 36 years, right? Yeah, it's been a couple of bumps in the road. <clears throat> right. <laughs> right. Yes. That's a pretty significant one. I, I've had, I've had a few, but that was a, <clears throat> A pretty good opportunity for learning. <laughs> um, so what had happened was I I ended up retiring and I went into uh, doing some acting. I was in a theater company out there and I did that for a period of out, time. Out there? In LA. LA. I, I moved, left San Francisco, moved to LA. And um, <clears throat> then... At a certain point, I I I had a, a Pilates business mm-hmm. actually, and a private training. So I it was like trainer to the stars kind of a deal, you know. Like go out to the Malibu Colony and work at you know four different places, and you know it was a, whatever. And it, like I, there's a lot of stories in that, <laughs> right? Um, and during that, I started making some money, and then. There, the market was crazy for buying and flipping homes. Mm-hmm. And I did that, right? <clears throat> I'd buy and fix them up and flip. And I had a, you know, anyway, I ended up being pretty good at that. And I made a lot of money. Okay. And you're like the people on HGTV. I, like- I, I, I made a lot of money. And and I did pretty well. I mean, for me, for a lot of money. I mean, we're not talking Gates, but I mean, I was I was able to retire, and I had a great job. I had a great I had a job that I made a ton of money, basically off the books. But it was you know all, all cash, and and um, I ended up getting engaged. Well, I didn't get it reengaged, but anyway, I got back together with somebody that I had been with in early sobriety that we had been engaged and I had called it off. So 17 years later, I, I got back together with um, a love in my life. Right. And um, I gave away the business. I moved to Northern California to be with her. And six months later realized I'd made a mistake and I moved uh, and I came to actually Frisco, Texas to visit my brother. And while I was here, that was my March 11th or whatever. It was my 20th anniversary of my birthday. I find out that the partner I had, the guy that I was pulling a Ponzi scheme and pulling a Madoff, if you're familiar with this guy, that basically took all the money that I had, put me three quarters of a million dollars in debt, and I'd lost a couple of houses. So it was a bad day. (laughs) Sorry. I, I remember I remember sitting on the edge of my bed going, really, God? Really? 20th anniversary sober and like, really? Oh, my goodness. So I told my brother, I, I talked to my brother. I said, yesterday I was visiting. Today I'm living with you. I'm homeless. I got nothing. I got, I got three quarters of a million dollars less than nothing. I'm screwed. And um, 
So, like I said, there was a, a bad day. And just real quick, is the guy, I, I'm always curious what no happened. Idea. Okay. No idea. No idea. I, you know, I, 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 I worked through that, and, and uh, you know, I went through various scenarios of how to deal with that. Mm. Some mature, and some not so much. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I was like, you know, he's never going to pay me back if he's in prison. So I, you know, I. Anyway, I understand. A lot of, lot of crap went around that, but. Um, and the girl is that over with? We're we're such good friends. I just texted her the other day. Um, she's the love of my life. I love her, and I know she loves me. And just we're not supposed to maybe be together. I you know I I don't know, but we've we've known each other a long time. I've seen her through a couple husbands and and kids and 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 all that kind of stuff. And I love her to death. Right? Um, trust okay. her. Okay, so you're at your brother's house and you're saying, "Hey, I'm I'm living here." So now. the other side of this story is I've not been to meetings for 13 years. Ah, uh, how was that? 13 years. Good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, like it was a lot of struggles and this and yeah. that, but sobriety was never an issue. And I think the long time that I was working one on one with people, I I worked a lot with with people who had been previously injured. I worked with a little girl that had been in a car accident that was paralyzed on part of her body. And um, I worked with incredible therapists that would fly in from Europe to work with this woman. And like, I was very involved in helping people. And honestly, I think that was, that's what kept me sober. But the piece that was missing in that whole thing was, being connected to another alcoholic because we're uniquely mm-hmm. able to help with our own problem, right? And that um, that is so integral to getting to a place where we feel that seventh step prayer where we're whole and complete. Because I remember reading that seventh step prayer and I'm thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen, <laughs> right? Um. Okay, so that's when I met you then. Yes. You yes. came back into the... Because I remember sitting on the edge of my bed. There's a couple of things I don't talk about very often. But I didn't necessarily want to kill myself. But I didn't care whether I woke up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm fine if you just take me. But the only reason... The only reason I'm still here is family. You know, not my AA family, my real family, because I couldn't do it to them to end my life. Do you understand what I mean? I did. I remember being pissed at God for that one. Mm. Like, you made me love my brother so much. I can't get out of this pain. I got to sit through this. For some reason, right? So you deal with like the anger at God and all that kind of stuff. What I'm going through now is a whole different kind of surrender. Surrender is a real interesting topic for another time as well. But I mean, so that was going on. But I remember sitting there going, the only thing I have right now is my sobriety and I don't own that. That's... That's as a result of a reliance on something else. Hmm. There's, I only have my sobriety if I'm willing to give it away. So it, in a very short time, I had like 22 sponsees. Hmm. I went started going back to, I felt like I was, you know, the character in, the, in Peanuts, the, um, the, the dust cloud, you know that, yeah, yeah, right. Like, I, I felt like that guy walking into meetings. I had this like dark cloud around me. I was like, oh, there's, there's Tim, like, right. And I, and I, I, I honestly, I was so broken, man. I was just like, um. But you know, the interesting thing is, God puts you in a place with those those things that that happen to you suddenly have value. 
that people that wouldn't listen to you previously now take stock in what you say because it has value because you're talking about from true experience. It's like you you just went through this and you didn't drink, mm-hmm. right? Short little um, diversion. When I first got sober and I was out in San Francisco, I was working with this sponsor named anyway, I was working with this guy and they had they had meetings for every different kind of thing, right? So they had they had gay meetings. And he said, I want you to start going to gay meetings. I said, Did I mention I was in a ballet company? Right? You know what I mean? It's like it's not exactly like this is not an issue for me. I don't really you know, and he goes, No, no, no. It's not because of that. He said, I want you to I want you to go. And I was like Okay, fine. Ironically, it was great because they were in late in the evening. It was perfect. It was right after rehearsal. What started to happen was I would see somebody that was 30 days sober find out they had AIDS, which at that time was a death sentence. So there was somebody with 30 days of sobriety just grateful for being sober and able to talk to their family about being sober. And you know what I mean? I'd like, and I lost friends, but it was like, it's that shared experience. It's that idea that we can go through anything and stay sober. Cause I was seeing people go through stuff that I thought, man, if I had like that was happening to me, I'd drink for sure. It was the, the the strongest people in the world. I, I was like, where do you get that strength from? The answer was simple, right? It's God. But I, I, we will see how our experience will benefit others, right? Like the worst possible thing that could possibly happen, right? I mean, I wouldn't wish some of the things that have happened to me in sobriety. If I had an enemy, I wouldn't wish them on them. I wouldn't. But I wouldn't change who I am based on the fact that I went through all that. Because when I, um, so I worked on that for a period of time, right? And then the coming back, right? And working with sponsees, working the steps myself, going through all this stuff. About two years later, right? About 22 years sober, I guess. My buddy Scott was my first sponsee, calls me up and says, I'm paying for a ticket for you because I was still broke. And um, he was going to pay for a ticket to go out to California. So I go out to California, see my buddy Scott. We, He's got a BMW motorcycle. I rent one. We go up Highway 1. We hit just a great time. It's wonderful. So we're out sitting outside his, his, his patio and, and we're barbecuing and you have to understand this guy's like the cranky contractor, right? I mean, he's like gruff, like whatever. And he looks over and he goes, how's your spiritual life? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, I said, you know, Scott, I'm, I'm pretty good. I said, I've, I've, I've come back. I said, I'm, I, I feel pretty good. I said, but there feels like there's a piece missing. I don't know what it is. You know me better than anyone in the world. I trust you. Um, you know everything about me. And I, like, I feel like there's a piece missing. Can, do you, can you tell me what it is? And he goes, greed. <laughs> I said, did you want to think about that? <laughs> Maybe pray about it, meditate, get back to me. He goes, no, I've been trying to tell you for two years, and you didn't hear me. So I had to learn where that's where I learned how I got the ball rolling because it was a whole idea of like when I get there then I'm going to be okay. When I this when I get this then I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. If I have enough money then I'm okay. Or if I have her I'm okay, right? Mm-hmm. My first sponsor always said Tim you're always okay. Your job is to know it. Mm. You got to start from okay. That's why it's be still and know that I'm God. Don't start from the fear-based place. That's where I get the ball rolling all the time without realizing it. Wow. So 
Let me let me just add that yeah. because I I think it's really important that that I didn't just have one sponsor. I have a posse of people. I have a group of people that know everything about me in my life. Somebody somebody that has my best interest at heart that's not me. <laughs> that can tell me what's going on with me. Yeah. Because I don't see it. We've we've talked about this before. I always use the highlight magazine that was in every dentist's office. And there's that little picture in the back, that drawing that has the the goose and the duck and the goat and the horse. And it's like you can never find the freaking duck until you find the duck. And then you can't unsee the duck. <laughs> For sure. And that's the way it is if you've done a fourth step. Or, you know what I mean? Like, like suddenly the next six months, you're like, all you see is those glaring defects of character, right? right? But we don't see them until we see them. And they don't, they don't, they're not worthy of changing until they bug me. Right. Doesn't really bother me that it bothers you. <laughs> I can get over that. <laughs> <laughs> right rather you're quickly. laughing because it's like it's true it's like you know i'm sorry sorry you feel that way <laughs> you know that was an, one i learned early on as a weapon right and i did i used it as a weapon you know that i didn't have to change my behavior your your feelings are your feelings i'm not responsible for your feelings so but i used it in the wrong way so you have a lot of people out there in the land right now, listening to this, some are kind of on the edge of sobriety. Some are, oh, I guess sober curious, if you will. It's a big word nowadays. Others are, they've been struggling to in and out of the program, whatever the case may be. If you could wrap this up by just kind of sharing your experience, strength, and hope with your... Mm, attitude or your uh, your your thoughts regarding recovery uh, most people listening to this are alcoholics but there are others who are alanons and overeaters and the whole nine yards so what would you kind of wh what would be your parting thoughts if you will wow i wish you'd asked me that earlier um whether you want to hear it or not, the solution is God. But that doesn't have to be the image or the feeling that you have right now. And I think that the God that I have in my life today, I'm seeing it in the rearview mirror. I don't, it was a byproduct of everything that I've done. And that's an evolving thing. I think there was a time, there's a time before any progress in my life and it's surrender. It's when not only do I lay my arms down, but I almost join forces with it because I think a lot of people see the the third step. Now the third step is just the, the, the beginning of the journey, but the, the third step was not for me. I give God, you take over. It was, I'm going to open myself up to some input and I'm going to try to a day at a time, do that to the best of my ability. Do it well, don't do it well. It's this practice, just practice one day at a time. This whole, I screwed up my life one day at a time. And I, I guess for me, this is about unscrewing my life up one day at a time. I, I like it's, it's just trying to, uh, the, one of the cheesiest things in the big book was this whole idea of walking hand in hand with your creator. That just <laughs> sounded like a, you know, a Jesus loves me song. I just, <laughs> it just hit me the wrong way. Just like I just, but the irony in that is when I put pen to paper and I get a different perspective and I get what I'm asking God 
to help me with and what I actually want to have removed, there's some magic that happens. Is any of this making any sense? It does. No, that completely makes sense. Because like I said, this, this thing that I'm going through recently is, is really about integrity and being who you are and believing in feeling who you are. Because there's a saying that what other people think about you is none of your business. Although true, it's not true if they put it out on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be true for somebody to say something that can change the course of your life. And the the true lesson is I need to remember that in reference to you and all the people that I know, that I need to be kind in my words with other people and be very conscious of how they affect other people. Because there's a, there's a thing that can happen on, on I, I believe this is, you know, the, the social media thing where when you and I were kids and didn't get invited to the party, we didn't know we didn't get invited to the party. We didn't get abused about not getting invited to the party. Yeah. It's 24-7. When I was bullied at school, because trust me, in Jinx, Oklahoma, doing ballet, there was some stuff. Right. I develop you either become an incredible fighter or develop a sense of humor. I kind of went for the sense of humor because I was a really puny guy. <laughs> I have a, you know, zero and ten fight record. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not not exactly Tyson. You know what I mean? So anyway, I don't know what I'm rambling about. But the like the when 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 we were bullied at least there was a moment of respite where i went home home being whatever it was at least there was 24 hours or there was some hours over a weekend or whatever where i didn't have to deal with anything and then there's this idea that people say stuff and they can just say it and there's no repercussions whatsoever Mm -hmm. right i don't know i find it kind of uh my lesson is I need to be real cautious with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in, in speaking on in, in podcasts, mm-hmm. I you know, we prayed beforehand. And I, 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 I pray to God this helps that, that one person that hears something that goes, This is possible. And you asked me that like and I'll I'll shut up after this, You're I fine. promise. But I like like the one thing is like If you're sitting there thinking, this is never going to happen to me, my life is over, this is just awful, you actually might be in the winning spot. Right. Because from there, it's only up. Right. You've got a chance, right? Just just go to a meeting, talk to another human being about it, right? So... You know, I just hope there's one person out there that hears it. Yeah, the ones who look completely bewildered and beat up when they come in, I, I feel the most hope for. The gift of desperation is the classic phrase, right? Um, but, I, you know, like in that moment, sitting on the edge of my bed 20 years sober, right? Sobriety, the gift is sobriety wasn't an issue. Never once did I think about drinking, hmm. which had been my go-to my whole life. That's miraculous, right? A friend of mine tells an orange tree story. talks about um, talks about the idea if you if you planted a seed out in your front yard and the next day this orange tree just popped up, that'd be a miracle, right? But if you plant a seed and you water it, you nurture it. And over a period of time, it grows, and then it becomes a fruit-bearing tree. That's still a miracle. Right. It's just taken a period of time. 
Mm. Right? Yeah. But we don't see it because it's, 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 you know, the tide is moving in. But if you watch it, you don't even notice it until it's already there. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. This has been very interesting, too. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so. I have no idea what I said. But. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. And I know the people listening in are going to enjoy it as well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up with cool. page 164 from the big book. If I can find it, here it is. It says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Tim F., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Tim, I really appreciate you coming in here. Thank you so much. It's It's been... I know you never did a podcast before. No, I, yeah, yeah. I don't like speaking, actually. <laughs> I know we talked about that yeah, when you were coming right. in. Yeah, but thank you. But people like hearing you speak, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, they do, very much so. So anyway, God bless you. Uh, be well, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Cool, thank you. Remember now, we do not want you sharing your gossip, but please do share this episode with another friend or family member by pausing your device and hitting that little share button. It may be just what they need today. Now on to a little bit of a listener feedback here. So a friend of mine texted me. His name is Ricky, Ricky C. And Ricky texted while he was over on a European vacation. And he said, hey, John, I'm on a train from Vienna to Salzburg listening to your podcast. I love Buddy C, Casey, and Tom H, and I miss you. Well, Ricky, by the time I see you again, uh, no that uh, we are missing you as well. And I appreciate you uh, uh, texting in and and listening to the Sober Speak uh, on the train from Vienna to Salzburg. That's that's fantastic. Anna Lee uh, DMs on the Instagram and she says, Hi, John, I am Anna Lee S. Your quote, suicide drinker, unquote, from a couple of years back. I thought I may give you an update on my sobriety. By the grace of God, I haven't had a drink since October 18th of 2019. Since I first got since I first got sober, your podcast has been a staple of my program. I love the quality and perspective of all of your guests. I also love the format of your po- podcast. It is a miracle that God gave me a second chance at life after two esophageal hemorrhages, one year apart, six surgeries, and a lot of recovery time physically. I am grateful to be here and grateful that God chose to save my life. God bless you, Annalie. It is through Alcoholics Anonymous that I have been given this new life. I truly never thought I would be able to quit drinking and had resigned myself to the fact that I was going to die drunk. Thank you, John, from the bottom of my heart for your service. God bless you, Annalie. Thank you for keeping me updated. Man, I so appreciate that. And, uh, you're one of the millions of miracles uh, in AA, and uh, um, that's just that is so special. Thank you, thank, and thanks for letting me come along for the ride, if you will. Jeff writes in, and Jeff Je- Jeff says, "Hi, John. I'm sober eight years in Saint Augustine, Florida. Uh, I enjoy service to my home group. I found you when researching the third step prayer. A very good piece on that, by the way. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. And what Jeff's talking about is uh, he must have done a Google search, and we have a, an article on SoberSpeak.com about the third step and the third step prayer, and, and a ton of us." Other articles actually, uh, if you want to go there and uh, uh, check that out. Thanks for writing in, Jeff. 
Donette writes in. Donette says, Hi, John. My name is Donette M. And I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been sober 14 years. I find I found your site while doing some four-step work. Oh, she found us the same way. Thank you for adding me to the Sober Speak email list. Well, my pleasure indeed, Donette. And if you are listening out there and you're not on the uh, email list, you can either go to our website, SoberSpeak.com, or just write me directly, John. J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com and ask to be on the email list, or you can give me any sort of feedback you want, right? Regarding the speakers or anything else, uh, uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, Brad writes in, and the subject line from Brad is gratitude, 465 days sober for Brad R. And he says, John, greetings from South Mississippi. M-I-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Anyway, he says, gratitude. You bring me the gift of appreciation. I'm grateful for your podcast. No doubt your podcast serves as a piece to my foundation of sobriety. Oh, that's nice, Brad. He says, I've uh, written you a couple of times in, er, uh, er, in earlier days, and I'm now at 465 days sober. At one time, I would have told you this was unachievable and likely damn near impossible. With a combination of sober speak, my sponsor, my meetings, and as liter- and literature, I'm on a different path. And AA literature, I think is what he meant there. My side of the street is clean. I'm far from perfect, but I appreciate being given the gift of self-improvement. Jerry J, yes, love Jerry J, is my absolute favorite. I literally listen to his words three or four times a week. Oh, that's great. I did not know that sobriety would give me the variety to choose what works for me. Again, I'm a work in progress. But brother, I'm grateful for your service. Add me to those, add me to your list of those that you've helped. Thank you, John, Brad, R. That's really cool, Brad. And congratulations on your, hopefully by the time you hear this, it's probably going to be more than 465 days sober. But anyway, God bless you and congrats on your sobriety. Ryan writes in and Ryan says, uh, John, I just started listening. Uh, oh, I started listening to sober speak on plane rides. I would download the speakers and listen to them. I love the big book focus guys and gals or the Woodstock style speakers who talk on the steps. Thank you so much for your service. It is truly making uh, a difference. Ryan K in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, I know it's, I, I can relate to that. Uh, downloading uh, episodes to listen to on the plane. I completely get that, Ryan, and I'm I'm glad that uh, we can provide that service uh, to those who need it. Stacy writes in, and Stacy says, "Hi, John. I am a heroin, meth, alcoholic. My sobriety date is July 10th of 2021. Wow, still can't believe I'm I'm sober. I was addicted to opiates for 25 plus years. What a miracle!" That is, Stacy. That is fantastic. She says, I'm th- so thankful I found your podcast. Your podcast has got me through my next meeting, uh, got me through to my next meeting on so many occasions. I sat in my car uh, with tears streaming down my face while listening to Chris M. share his experience, asking God to show him a sign uh uh, any sign not to pull that trigger. I know that pain. And she's talking about Chris M. Uh, I think it was uh, episode five, right? It was back at the beginning. And uh, Chris M's a great guy. And thank you for writing that, Stacy. She also says, I could listen to David G talk for hours upon hours. He's such a great speaker. I want what he has. Well, I have to agree with you there. Uh, I got to get Dave. I've David and I have been going back and forth to try to get him over here. You know, uh, either he's traveling or I'm traveling or, or we don't have time or whatever, but uh, uh, we should quit making excuses because we live uh, 
within like uh, two miles of each other. So uh, anyway, we'll we'll get together with David, get him recorded again soon. She says, uh, Stacy says, my favorite speaker was Samara. I've listened to her story three times. So you're going back in the uh, archives there, uh, Stacy, and I love it. Uh, by the way, she's talking about the name there, in case you missed it and you want to search it up as Sumera, S-U-M as in Mary, E-R-A, Sumera. Just go to our website or just search Sumera and Sober Speak and it'll come up. Anyway, she says, I'm a newcomer and I still haven't experienced the 12-step in regards to me helping another alcoholic, but I can certainly tell that you, Sumera, David G., Chris M., uh, Renee E and countless others have helped me. She says, do you ever tell your story? Yeah. You know, I, I, I tell my story, uh, you know, I've done a lot of it here locally. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me. And once again, uh, I have a, I have something on my desktop. Basically, I just have to record it, but I always edit everybody else's first and I just keep forgetting to do it. But, uh, Eventually, I'll get that thing out anyway, uh, or I'll just let somebody interview me. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, she says, uh, John, I found myself struggling for so many reasons. One, I needed a new sponsor, and believe it or not, your podcast helped me to come to that conclusion. I was going to meetings, but my sponsor didn't work out of the book, and steps were, were very lackadaisical. I've always loved podcasts, but my go-to was true crime. I found Sober Speak, and now that's all I listen to. She says, I love, love the step study worksheets. Once again, she's talking about what's on the uh, the website. We have, if you go there, it says Sober Resources, and you can see it there. And she says, please keep up the fantastic work. Thanks for all your hard work, Stacy T. Well, God bless you, Stacy T. Sounds like you're on the right path, and you're on fire, and I'm so glad for you. Dan writes in, oh, and so I sent out a, uh, uh, on my email list, I sent out a, a step 10 and 11, uh, a guide, uh, for people to, it, it, it basically is a combination of 84, 85, 86, 87, and the questions that we need to ask ourselves at the beginning of the day, during the day, at the end of the day, and so forth, okay? And so I sent something out. It was a guide on my uh, email to my email list, and it says, uh, thanks for sharing your experience, strength, and hope, John. It helps all uh, it, it helps. And for me, it is a necessary part in our program. Even though I fit the mold of the 60 to 100 professional uh, men whose experience was shared in the big book, I have found that all subsequent AA literature in which now millions of recovering alcoholics share their experience is necessary for my continuing sobriety. The 12 and 12, I found in particular helpful in my early sobriety. As you know, the wonderful, quote, spiritual axiom, unquote, in the chapter on step 10 and the 12 and 12 has helped many. It says, every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. I didn't like that when I first read it, but later came to realize that by reflecting on the lessons of Marcus, ooh, our uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably not uh, pronouncing that right. Serenity prayer, that is the quote, axiom is an expression of freedom. What I focus on and what I can do and leave to the rest is the greater power. I can do better, uh, I can better do when the creation was, uh, when creation created for me. I also appreciate in the chapter step four, when it was written, our sponsors came to the rescue, unquote, i.e. Bill Wilson going further than step four described in the big book that he drafted. The sponsor points out to the newcomer and has some assets, which can be noted along with his liabilities. The 12 and 12 says reinforcing Bill's stated belief that the fourth step in inventory is a balance sheet, just like a business inventory. Then later in Bill's last legacy to us, the 12 concepts, he states that we need to focus more on our assets as we go forward than on, than on, on our liabilities. 
progress rather than perfection. We are not saints. Unquote. The longer I live, the more I appreciate the total program of AA that was given to us and, our, and, and we are tasked with the advancing and broadening to people far beyond the 60 to 100 men who shared in the big book and what worked for them in the beginning. So thanks for your contribution. Dan, sobriety date, the 8th of December, 1976 in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that uh, commentary there. All right. No, this is not. Brittany writes in and she says, Hi, John. I live in Reno, Nevada. My sobriety date is January excuse me, my sobriety date is January 20, by the way, let me just go ahead and say this, all right, some of you who listen to this on a consistent basis may have noticed that my voice is a little off, it was off on the front end, and it's off here on the back end of this uh, particular episode, the reason that it's off, and I just didn't want to say this up at the top of the program for whatever reason, uh, is moi has contracted a I don't know if you all have heard of this or not. Uh, it's not very much talked about. It's a very rare illness. It's called COVID. Uh, it's just recently started to get a little traction in the press. But anyway, I contracted COVID, uh, but I am obsessive compulsive about getting these particular episodes out. And so I'm doing this <coughs> and, uh, uh, I've only coughed a few times, which is actually quite amazing. Uh, but uh, um, I'll have my big coughing fit after I uh, actually stop <laughs> the recording button here. But anyway, thanks for bearing with me and my voice. Uh, so anyway, Brittany writes in. She says, hi, John. I live in Reno, Nevada. My sobriety date is January 26th of 2022. I grew up in a Pentecostal black Jamaican household going to church every Sunday and Wednesday until I moved out of the house at age 18. That sounds interesting, Brittany. I really, I, you know, I actually would have liked to gone to that Pentecostal church there because it sounds uh, to me like it'd be very lively. Nonetheless, um, uh, I, and in college, academics weren't my, oh, oh, my first drink when I was 17 years old, and it was a Coors Light. My my drinking, quote, career, unquote, kicked off when I was 19. So cool, though. Um, so actually uncool, I guess, that we refer to our uh, drinking as, quote, careers. So weird, isn't it? Anyway, um, in college. Uh, uh, my drinking career kicked off when I was 19. In college, academics weren't my strong suit. My, my weren't my strong suit, but drinking was. <laughs> she says, "I usually drank beer and rum." Ah, now that sounds very Jamaican. I've been down to Jamaican many times, and uh, they always they always try to hand me a red stripe, and uh, and there's plenty of rum hanging out throughout the entire country. <laughs> so you have continued that tradition. Anyway, she says, I quickly found out that the sugar with the rum gave me the worst hangovers. And so I switched to whiskey. It became my drink of choice for the remainder of my career. <laughs> she says, I drank in bliss and joy for about three out of my six year stint. However, Many problems came to surface, such as trips to jails and mental institutions. I lost all hope in myself and this life. My pre-existing mental diagnosis as well uh, was... was uh, my pre-existing mental diagnosis, as well as suicidal ideations, intensified me with drinking alcoholic. I was sure I was going to die. I found I found hope in Alcoholics Anonymous here with the people exactly like me, struggling, yearning, and confused. What the program brought to me in my life was complete freedom from bondage of self. <clears throat> that God that I was raised on didn't speak to me, but the God of my own understanding did. AA blessed me with many of, of its promises, and I'm forever embedded to the 12 steps and 12 traditions and the fellowship. I found Sober Speak simply through, <coughs> excuse me, a gurgle, uh, a gurgle, 
a Google search. I don't know. Maybe she did a gurgle search. Who knows? I, I, I also resonate with a lot of the women you share in your podcast. I believe that women building up women, especially, I believe in women building up women, especially in these trying times. And I think we need to hear more from the black community in AA, Brittany. <clears throat> well, Brittany, as you know, I wrote you back and said, uh, number one, I agree. Um, I, I think women building up women is important. Uh, and I also think hearing more from the black community in AA is important as well. Uh, if, and, and I, I I'm going to uh, say to the audience what I said to you, if you have any speaker tapes of people really of any colors, right. But out there, uh, out there that have been recorded, uh, in well, several different conferences or something like that, and you have their contact information and you can forward that to me and ask them if they'd be interested in possible. Well, don't ask them yet, right? Let me listen and then we'll see if we can get them on uh, uh, Silver Speak, but I need to have their contact information as well. Believe it or not, gathering up people that now it's different when I grab somebody from my group right? The AA groups that I attended us go, Hey, come on in. Uh, it's not as easy finding these people as you would think because we are alcoholics anonymous. And so tracking these people down can be, uh, a, quite, uh, a chore. But anyway, uh, if you can find that, uh, send them, send them over to me. I, I would absolutely love it. Finally, and I'm starting to lose steam here, so I'm glad we're on a finally. Raymond writes in and he says, John, greetings. My sobriety date is July, excuse me, January 9th of 2000. I'm 53 years old and I hail from Northern Iowa, excuse me, Ohio. Gosh, I can't even read. I was introduced to your podcast recently by a, a fellow friend of Bill W., who also lives in Northern Ohio. His name is Derek C. I know he won't mind me saying his name. I was able to take on a couple of your pods today. Gary K. was a speaker. Derek was sharing with me the connections he's made and that it was, and it was just the shot in the arm he needed. I've been coasting and floundering in my sobriety for some time, and I'm looking forward to hearing fresh perspectives uh, from what I'm hearing and getting back to the roots of A.A. Raymond. Thank you, Raymond. All right, everybody. I take this one week at a time. I hope to be back next week. We shall see. Uh, uh, anyway, God bless you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And what's the other thing I like to say? Oh, from page 164. May God bless you and keep you until then. Love you all. Bye-bye.